You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Carter comes up shooting. Toronto Sport Matters podcast number 43, where I am joined, as always, with Christian Wolfgang Graf. How are you doing today, buddy? Not too bad. How about yourself? Fantastic. You had a pretty interesting evening last night. Yeah, can't can't lie. I feel a little, still feeling the effects today <laughs> a little bit. But yeah, I was, at the, I was at the Raptors game. Uh, it was the best first half, I think, I've ever seen. The crowd was totally into it. Well, we'll get into it a little bit later, but a historical 44-point first quarter performance oh. was... It was a great game to be at. Is yeah, what I'm no, to say. I, I couldn't imagine uh, a, a better atmosphere, especially. And that's my first playoff game. Off the gate like that. Yeah, first playoff game as well. Like they, they do it well. They, they have the good show and the, the crowd's really into it. And plus, I got this pretty cool T-shirt. The some hus- free, some free Raptor swag. Hustle over hype, and has a picture of the bench, the whole bench mob in it. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. They, uh, I guess, they kind of rev up the entertainment level a bit, especially in between whistles. I'm, the, the thing I hate the most is when I'm like streaming a game illegally online, and they have like the, the instead of the commercials, they have like the fan reaction of like the music and the, the oh, dancing and yep, shit. That like yeah. might be literally my least favorite thing in the entire world. I hope I never get on that because I, I have a feeling it's the same thing you see on the screen up there. And You're just so. blackout drunk. You have like a nacho hat on or something. You just like slouched over. <laughs> 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 All right, getting back into the uh, the. Focus. So Toronto Raptors up to nothing. Um, I think we played a clip last week, uh, talk, kind of talking about all the the big NBA pundits sort of stating their uh, their lack of support for the team from Canada. Um, I was trying my best to find any content related to like just anyone saying like the Raptors did a great job the first two games. Next to nothing, really. Honestly, I couldn't really find anything. No representation from Chris Boussard, Colin Coward, and most importantly, Stephen A. Smith who honestly just went into this big, long dialogue of how the Washington Wizards are fucked and nothing about how great the Raptors played. Because he doesn't want to admit he's wrong. He's a fucking hater. Um, So we'll play that clip really quickly and be back in one second. The Washington Wizards are done. (laughs) And you have to give major props to the Toronto Raptors, who we all wanted to see perform this time of year. Yes, sir. They had the second best record in the league. We didn't care. I think Toronto will win this in five. That was my pick when the playoffs started. I know game one looked like they're kind of holding on there. They're maybe not lucky to win, but the Wizards played a little better. They could have lost that. But in game two, they looked a little better than game one, although there were also moments where the Wizards closed the gap when it looked like it could be a forget this game. The Wizards would tighten it up a little bit, but Toronto's just a better team. So yet again, Toronto Raptors getting absolutely no love from the, the, the mainstream NBA pundits. Um, you know, like I think we've always talked about this. You know, the, especially when it comes to mainstream media discussion, the Raptors. There's no, there's no love. It's always like, what went wrong? How did you lose the Toronto Raptors? I mean, the precedent, uh, and I don't know. I'm, I'm not shocked that the Raptors are up to nothing. Um, I guess it's the way that we've done it. Uh, the first game, I guess, was a little bit closer than what we thought, but then the Raptors just cl- came out. We are easily the better team, and I think that's what Max Kellerman or one of them 
when that you know mirage you put together there mm-hmm. said uh, is that we're just simply the better team. And you can tell by the end of the games, even if they do close the gap a little bit in the third quarter, look who's on the floor when you do it. So it's like Lorenzo. It's pretty much our worst unit possible. A lot we of talk the time. about Lorenzo Brown. Um, you know, one thing I kind of want to talk about, especially if game one was, you know, Bebe kind of closing out the game. I was absolutely shocked. You know, the guy didn't really, you know, carve a spot in the rotation throughout the season. And yet you're seeing him closing out the first game in the playoffs. Like, what's the idea behind that? Like, why is Casey... You know, putting Bebe out in that sort of intense situation. I would love to say it's just a big, you know, F you to everybody who thinks that he can't play the bench and he can't play this deep Raptors squad in the playoffs like we have been all season. And he's mentioned it before. But no, I think specifically for that game, it was all about the length. Mm -hmm. And Gortat, I mean, it wasn't that Valanciunas was playing bad. It was just simply the fact that Gortat could not do anything with Bebe on. Well, realistically, he shouldn't be a starting center for an NBA team right now. You know, he, he, he's a definition of that sort of slow-footed, you know, lack of perimeter defense big that's a sort of archaic relic of the past. He's what I thought JV would maybe be, or turn into eventually, if he didn't evolve and change his game. And it's, I mean, it says something about JV. JV came out in game two and did the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. He earned the minutes. So, yeah, no, in, in game one, I think it was the right move, actually, by Casey. And it just shows how smart he's been, why he should be, in my opinion, coach of the year. Because putting someone and having the trust... And someone like Bebe. I mean, even DeMar DeRozan didn't come out, I think, until the four-minute mark in that game mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter. So uh, a, a lot of trust there. DeLon Wright was having a great game, and he, he trusted him with the minutes. At this point, it seems like Dwayne Casey's blessed with having to put out the hot hand. Exactly. That's the luxury of the situation we're in. You know, we talk about a deep bench, and people talk about minutes played, but it's also, you know, switchy defensive matchups and be able to utilize different looks every single night, depending on, you know, who we're playing that evening. Uh, we'll be joined by Greg literally in three seconds. The guy's running a little bit late. But the other thing is, you know, the the, the value of Jonas Valanciunas, depending on the matchup itself, like if we play Miami or Philadelphia, you know, just having that like really big presence in the low post is so integral, depending if indeed plays as well, right? Um, but we're seeing it happen with Whiteside, though, you know, relegated to the bench if he doesn't fit the situation. I'm still surprised about that situation. I know we're going to go on I think talk just, about it later, yeah, but we, it, it is a, a weird one because he's young and athletic and, mm-hmm. I mean, Miami is one of those teams that is kind of like the Raptors and that and Greg, what we were just talking about is that we're joined Dwayne- by the Cypriot assassin. Gregory Oshad has finally made it in. What's up, T-Dot? The so, fact uh, that Dwayne Casey has the luxury right now to play the hot hand. And that's why we saw in game one specifically someone like Bay Bay. Bay Bay. Exactly. Be out there at the end of the game. <clears throat> which is which really speaks to like the identity of the Raptors being able like your 12th man came in in that game one and kind of solidified the win. Yeah, we were right? just talking about uh, Noguera coming in, uh, crunch time in the first quarter. What other sorry, team? fourth quarter. Sorry, going into the second game, though, uh, Christian, you were at that game last night. Uh, Greg, you were obviously watching that game as well. Hell yeah. What were your biggest takeaways? There's a few things written within the narrative of the flow of the game, but what stuck out for you guys last night? Well, I mean... Well, you know what, Grab, why don't you go first? You well, were there. Well, you the, felt the energy. The atmosphere was absolutely unbelievable, obviously. I mean, the third quarter, it kind of... The first half, everyone just got so excited. It was such an exciting first half. I was one of those guys who, I'm one of the people in the crowd who jumps out of their seats with my fingers doing the three thing. Spilling and I, popcorn in the person. Yeah. In the when uh, JV hit that three? Oh, well, again, they hit, I think, 11 in the yeah. first half. Yeah. So it was just like they couldn't miss. So the third quarter, everybody kind of understood in the crowd. We were just kind of, you know, getting, getting ready. If anything, Washington getting back into the game just got us into it. And then that C.J. Miles three. It was a dagger for so the game, and can, it pretty much got the crowd back into it and ended it for, for Washington's can, hopes. Can I piggyback on that point? And this relates back to 
um, the gripe I had last week about the the volume three point shooting of the Toronto Raptors and the fact that you know we're not toward the top of the league in percentage, but we are toward the top of the league in attempts and. I look at that game, and there's nothing wrong with an open three-point shot from ball movement. Just don't live or die by the three. But that's the point I want to make here. We live by the three in the first half, and everyone's feeling good, and, you know, there's a lot of heat check. And then you come out in the third, and you go, like, 0 for 7, right? This is the worry that I have against a better opponent. Can we continue to play like that, right? Um it's great that C.J. Miles hit that shot. And it was a huge turning point. And thank God, playoff C.J. exists. But, you know, I, I really worry about the over-reliance on this uh, against better teams. No, I, I mean, I, I can't disagree with you. I mean, uh, it worked. It comes in spurts, right? Uh, and kind of like a C.J. Miles uh, throughout the whole season. It yes. either works in like a half, too. It's not even or a quarter. It doesn't work for a full game ever, usually, for the Raptors. Mm. But that's when DeMar took over, I think, in the third quarter. That's when he got majority of his points, and he started driving to the basket. And, and that's a great point, actually. And it's a good one-two punch to have, right? Especially when he starts dishing it out when he drives. But we're sort of talking about you know, just the depth we have as well and the different looks we have. You know, I don't think many teams have you know the, the flexibility of having guys that can you know, obviously drain a three-pointer, but also physical brutes and the post, like guys like, you know, obviously, Jakob Pertl and you know, Valanciunas. You know, Valanciunas, keep in mind, is kind of evolving his game you know, beyond the low post, but... But, you know, oh, but again, like we have the size to match up with most teams in the NBA, and we also have the three-point shooting to stylistically match up with the best of the best. And 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 we also have a coach, I think, who because everybody's played over the course of the season, like he's able to mix and match pieces, and guys are ready. Mm-hmm. Like guys are ready to ball, and everyone is like just biting the bit to get out and play, and they almost expect to play. And we, you're right, we can go with any matchup. Exactly. So there's two guys I want to talk about. And obviously, in the past, we have uh, developed a few inconsistencies with our playoff performance, to put it lightly. Um, chiefly, the play of DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. Last night, DeMar DeRozan went off with a stellar Game 2 performance. Kyle Lowry played some stellar defense as well. Um, what's your impression of the two guys, um, I guess, coming into Game 3 on Friday? I, I think that the narrative that DeMar like, doesn't show up is... I don't think it's fair. I think that too uh, in the past, what happened was I think too much pressure was put on him to score in isolation, and you know he's not like he is in my opinion a superstar, but he's not a megastar. He's not a monster, right? He's not like a Russell Westbrook, uh, LeBron James figure, or where you can really just high volume isolation all the time, right? Um, I think now that the offense has evolved a bit and they're hitting the the, the roller on the pick and roll, uh, you're seeing you're going to see better playoff numbers from him too. Now, look, Lowry has been uh, better this year than in years past. I don't. I think we still haven't seen the best of him though. But you're right. The main thing with Lowry, like he's a point guard. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need to be. Uh, I mean, look, he needs to space the floor, hit his threes when 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 he's open. But take charges. Yeah, and and that's the thing when Lowry. Lowry's offense isn't actually what makes him such a great player for us. It's his heart, it's his hustle, it's his energy, it's his craftiness and intelligence. Well, it's a reflection of what he had to do this season, you know, going from ISO to sort of like sweating the floor a bit more. Uh, he almost triple doubled. Exactly. Well, like, exactly. Yeah. Well, even that that you know, obviously that block on John Wall and just like how good he's looked. You know, like you were mentioning off the ball as well. We could bring it to the bench. You know, Delon Wright had an absolutely tremendous oh, performance last night. Love him, Christian. What's and your, game uh, one too. Yeah. And, and game one as well. What's your impression? And of the Joe bench? 
Jovan, can we say that Jovan called that? Jovan called it. Well, and you know what? Filling in the void, I guess, for Fred Van Vliet, who I guess played a couple minutes last night. He he gave it a test. really stepped up last night. Yeah, and you know what? Like, there was one quote that Bradley Beal said after game one that kind of struck me, and it was, there's a lot of guys who we didn't expect to make those threes who made them, so we'll live with those. And it kind of just makes me think that other teams have not been watching us this year, or they don't remember playing us this year. Do they not understand how deep we are and how good our bench is? Well, Bradley Beal's in no situation to even comment on the Toronto Raptors bench. His performance has been just absolutely... Well, he was in a complete no-show last yeah. night. I, I didn't even recognize him out on the floor. Because nine jo- points. John Wall and him don't coexist. Did, there was a clip that they showed where Gortat... On the bench, Gortat and Wall And, and, well, and did you see who was beside him? Right, well, the, with, the, the, uh, the, the towel cloaked over it's his the head. the best exactly. picture ever. Right, that's not how a team, right, like that, you know, I can read body language, okay? That is not body language of, right, those are guys arguing. Obviously. It's not like working <laughs> through things. You know what I mean? It wasn't a discussion, right? Yeah, well, they, they obviously weren't happy with, with the result. I mean, I think at the point that picture was taken, they were also down to, 80, giving up their 80th or 78th point in, but, in no, the No, but when half. I look at Beal, though, it looked like just a guy who was beside two dudes that were arguing and don't like each other, and he, you know, it wasn't even like he wanted to step in and say, hey, hey, you know what, guys? Let's keep it together here. Let's just, at one play at a time, right? Or, you know, he's ready, or, you know, he's a little bit right to work it out. He was just defeated in his mind, like, this is broken. They look like a team that, like, one of those two has to go. They don't coexist. They just don't. The unfortunate situation with the Wizards that del- I think uh, John Wall is it next year his contract kicks in at forty four million dollars. Oh! Yeah. yeah, so yeah. it's basically an untradeable contract. I think Beal is more uh, probably the most likely guy to go if they are going to make a trade, which I don't see happening. I just find it kind of crazy. Like Scott Brooks came in as a sort of you know head coach who developed this sort of personality, being like a players coach who can take a bunch of big egos and make them coalesce into one sort of synonymous like good unit like we did with OKC you know nurturing egos all that shit and he's been a horrendous coach this year you know if anything the Wizards took a massive step back what but when Wall wasn't like in the games that Wall has played we have no problem with them the games that he didn't like Beal played great the Mm. ball was moving better right like there's just something we've said this all year right like I think John Wall is an AAU baby Right, the guy sits on the sidelines watching his team with sunglasses and iPod headphones in. I tell the youth I work with at the rec center when you're with other people, take out your headphones because it's disrespectful. Let alone when you're supposed to be supporting your teammates. The culture's off. All right, guys, we'll bring it to the last segment for uh, for Raptors discussion. So obviously, a lot of guys have stepped up this postseason. Who's impressed you the most so far? Keep it quite simple. Uh, personally, for myself, it's been Serge Ibaka. Like, he just yep. been draining the open three. He's been very consistent as a shooter. He's been great defensively. He just kind of, you know, he, he, he fits the role that we sort of envisioned him filling when we brought him in from Orlando. For me, it's got to be DeLon Wright. I mean, he stepped up huge. I mean, to fill that void of Fred Van Vliet, which is our best statistical three-point shooter, um, you know, the heart and hustle that he has. DeLon Wright's defense is so underrated. I mean, a lot of people in Toronto know about it, Mm. I feel like. But his length, especially when when I was watching last night. Yeah, he's such a disruptor. Like, he gets in lanes. he, He makes it really, really difficult, especially on someone like John Wall, who's used to being able to sort of dominate athletically mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm. even though he's had a great series so far so I, I'd say DeLon Wright for me yeah uh, and you're both you know those are great I would also say you know and this is someone who the uh, the other week I was on uh, about his shot selection uh, CJ Miles this is a guy right like he's hitting shots that Carroll and Patterson just didn't hit you know what I mean timely cl- like three pointers clutch. 
clutch, yeah. Like, with shots that, you know, hey, you've got daylight. You're a big-time NBA player. This is the playoffs. Like, that needs to go in. And he hit. And so, so far, so good in that sense. I mean, we'll see. It's only t- it's a two-game sample as well. We got to close out this series. Game three, Friday at eight p.m. Are you Not guys Thursday? Nope. Friday. Friday. Oh, wow. Friday. Um, wow. So we're uh, we're going to switch to the Eastern Conference playoff situation. In the second quarter. We'll take a quick music break. This is music brought to you by Mackie Moto. Catch him on sound. Yeah, we used to be like a piece of artwork under the willow tree. I remember all the things that you would do to me. You and me was the reason for my poetry. And the way that you would look at me. All right, folks, we are back in the second quarter. Uh, so let's talk about the Eastern Conference playoffs. We'll start off with the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Indiana Pacers. We're currently playing right now. Graffin, what was the score again? 30, or 37 for Indiana, 47 for Cleveland. So they were up by 10. Cleveland. Okay, so so we'll, we'll base it off the game one. Um, obviously, a, a dismal performance by the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think many pundits were predicting Cavaliers to kind of take the Eastern Conference this season. Uh, Victor Oladipo and the Pacers sort of, you know, pulled their shit together and had a very dominating performance in the first game of their matchup. Um, guys, what's your uh, what's your impression of this game, this matchup? Sorry, is LeBron James going to be able to will his team to uh, to a game two victory? Well, I think it's getting a win. In Cleveland, it's huge for Indiana. And if they can win today, honestly, I was just sort of talking about this off air, but I, I do think it's almost sort of a do or die game this game, too. Because if Cleveland goes down 0 2 going into Indiana, and again, I know it's LeBron James, I know you can't discredit him at, at any time, but that's going to be really tough. Like, that's a tough hole. And I, it's a tough I, building to play in, too. Yeah, in, in I agree. Indiana. And I truly think that, I don't know, this, this roster that LeBron has around him, he's going to have to do pretty much everything. Well, and but that's kind of to me. The point here is that I think like like LeBron didn't register a shot in the first quarter in that game, right? He very much was trying to get his teammates going because I think he understands that that team isn't going anywhere unless he's getting a balanced, especially a balanced shooting effort, specifically three point shooting from those guys, right? So I think he was trying really, uh, he was being uh, like deferring, he was trying extra hard to get um, the other guys going. I don't see him doing that tonight uh, or moving forward, right? I thought one of the more interesting takeaways from game one was sort of LeBron's lackadaisical approach to defense. You know, mm. Typically in playoffs, you know, he revs the engine up his second gear and he plays a full court game, both sides of the ball. He he looked like he really didn't give a shit about you know playing defense. He, it was a horrendous performance. Do you think and he just expected just, to win? Yeah, yeah. I think he walked in with his very cocky demeanor, his expectation is they're going to blow the Pacers out. But I think you know Victor Oladipo is a legitimate superstar in consideration for MVP. He's a star. He's a star. He's not a superstar. Why is he not a superstar? Because he's not carrying a top team in the league, and he doesn't average like th- to be a superstar. You got to be big time. You talk about he's a star. If anything, I think it's consistency. I, I think, think he's a, just done it for a season. You got to be there for a bit. Yeah, if he if he builds off this year, I mean, his numbers, like what tomorrow. he's done, like he's been a show. You're mm-hmm. right. He's he's been like the show. But anyways, continue. I was just going to quickly mention in 16 minutes tonight, LeBron James is 23 points, seven rebounds, and four assists. Sorry, in what? In 16 minutes, he has 23 points. Good God, seven rebounds and four assists. That's what I'm. But that's what I'm talking about, right? The sister down, the scoring is up. He's saying, "All right, you guys can't do it. I'm going to fucking do it. Get on my back, the king." 
Exactly. So but, he comes out historically really well in game two. So I, I know I think he knows how important this game is for this series. And as a Raptors fan, we were just talking about it. I, I really just hope this goes seven games, goes to double overtime get every nice single and tired, game. Get some and knocks. Get some all tired. Exactly. Because even if LeBron can't get tired, at least the older players around him are. Like you're already seeing people like Kyle Korver getting a little injured. Like he wasn't playing as much. Mm-hmm. So take a couple Charlie horses. Exactly. Force who was it? Kendrick Perkins or who do they sign? They sign Big Kendrick. Yeah, exactly. Let's force him to get some minutes and get all the other old guys a little bit injured because honestly, that's the best case scenario for the Raptors. We're facing the winner of that series regardless. We're also seeing a rejuvenated Lance Born Ready Stevenson. <laughs> oh, how funny was that, man? <laughs> Sorry, talk about the takeaways. I really enjoyed because yo, that's, that's, that's what you got to do. Like, like too many, you know, too many times when I watch teams play LeBron, they give him too much airspace. They give him too much, you know, too much respect. Get in his face, right? Go, go Detroit Pistons on Jordan style, right? Like, like, like you got to play him extra hard. Hit him, smack him, grab him, hold him, bite him, whatever, scratch him, whatever you got to do. I can't remember who said this, but he said that like it was, you know, sort of stating like the relationship between Stevenson and James. Like Stevenson and James grew up together. Stevenson beat the shit of LeBron James in Grade Three, and has been like holding on to that his entire life. And LeBron is like always having to prove something. What? <laughs> That's actually true. No, really? no, 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 no. It was, no. It was Lance like a, grew up in Brooklyn, right? No, I'm kidding. It was, um, it was like a, a, a sort of. What's the word? Anecdote? No, like a fake anecdote. <laughs> <laughs> My mind's not working well today. Okay, going a into lie. the... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we call that a lie. A lie. Doing the second, uh, the second matchup, uh, Milwaukee Bucks, Boston Celtics down 0-2. I think the... Th- what infuriates me is that like the Boston Celtics have nobody. How are they winning these games? I, I, that's complete bullshit in my they opinion. Have a... They have they have an incredible head coach in Brad Stevens. They have two former third overall picks in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They also have Kerry Rozier, who's not some scrub off the street. He's a 16th overall pick as well. Like guys who are supposed to be like rotation players. Don't ask Bledsoe that. And Al Horford is the who? definition of that switch army knife sort of switchy guy that kind of makes everyone around him a little bit better. I, I it just infuriates me that when everyone sort of says talks about the Boston Celtics it's like oh my god how are they winning these games like they should be winning it realistically especially with the pedigree of the players they have on the roster but you know what though I disagree yeah if you went really? to the start of well, the year they're facing the Bucks. Yeah, if you go to the start of the year with how much hype around Giannis, like people were picking I'm the say Bucks there shouldn't like be excuses. Like there shouldn't be excuses like they can't win like they like the they're against these uh Insurmountable odds. Like I, I just, I think yeah, it's look, shit, man. Still, Rozier is a starting caliber point guard. Jalen Brown's developing into an incredible two-way basketball player. Tatum's proved Tatum he's the third score, best rookie yeah. this season. And I just mentioned Al Horford, who's a perennial all-star. Like I just, if don't Tatum was in the league last year, he would have been the rookie of the year, basically, right? Well, like, well, like over yeah, Brogdon. And let me ask you this: If the Raptors were missing Demar and Kyle, and we were beating the Bucks two nothing, would you not be surprised? But like it's very similar to their situation, right? They're two best players no, on no, the team. No, it's not because the Celtics have two top three picks on the roster. Yeah, he's saying that like what Boston has in addition to their stars, right? The those got they have better supporting. They're just players. so young, and I mean, I'm surprised, man. Like again, like look at Philadelphia, like the struggles that they have with consistency right I now. I know Terry we're going to talk Rogier, about them later. Like, but the best irrational confidence guy in the world. Just but there's no precedent. That's amazing. why I'm surprised. There's no pre- like when we've when have we seen Tatum? When have we seen Brown? When have we seen, we've seen these players? perform really well in the playoffs. We never had. I don't I think guarantee you, can say you that, if though. Jason Kidd was coaching this team, they would not be down 2-0. I'm I, I I really believe that. Like I would think Jason Kidd would look at these kids and know exactly how to get under their skin, right? Like I just I, I don't see I, when I watch the Bucks now, I see a team without an identity. 
I think Jason Kidd was at That's the That's a great point. Raptors the team game, without spilling identity. the beer last night. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a bunch of players who just really don't fit well together. You know, you got Eric Bledsoe running ISO in most plays, who's not a competent shooter. Giannis on the court as well. Chris Middleton's playing some fantastic basketball. Brogdon's been great off the bench. But you're right. Like, it's just all these pieces that don't really coalesce together as one sort of synonymous team or unit. They need to get after it defensively and create turnovers that then get the Bucks into the fast break. But part of the problem with this is that they don't ha- like. I, I think they have a terrible center start. Like he, like John Henson, is not a competent NBA center. Neither is Thon Maker. Yeah, right. Not quite yet. <laughs> no, and that's the thing too. Look, the Bucks are young too, and and this is why though. Even with the Sixers, when people are hyping them up so much last year, this was Milwaukee. Everyone thought that you know. Giannis is the second, you know, coming of Dr. J, and you know, and and I mean, look, he still obviously is an amazing talent with a huge upside, but it takes losing to win in the NBA. But that's also why it's surprising that Boston, mind you, they have Al Horford, who is a great leader too, right? So you're right; it shouldn't be too surprising. I expect though Milwaukee to get at least one at home. Like I don't expect a sweep. Like I'm surprised that Thon Maker only got one minute in the in the second game. That's somebody that I think is a pretty decent player. He was effective against us last year. Exactly. And especially if you slot him against the right per I mean I get it. Against Al Horford you probably don't want to play well, him. Against- retro- Boston's retrospect, big up front though, like, man. You look at the Bledsoe trade, their first rounder plus Monroe. I think Monroe would probably be a better rotation player than Bledsoe at this point. You know, Morris, kind of plug in Morris is killing it. Yeah, no, they have big, they have great big men, and that's I think Boston's key because that's what Brad Stevens uses a lot as well. Like, uh, I mean, Terry Rozier got Terry Rozier, sorry, got the most minutes last night. I think he had thirty-eight, mm. but there's Al Horford right behind him. All the big men are the right there behind him in minutes, mm-hmm. so he the uses Bucks, those guys more than anything. The Bucks just don't have the depth. You know, you're talking about you know Jabari Parker putting up zero points in ten minutes last night. Yeah. Dova maker zero points as well. They're just not getting you know much help from their second Jabari right Parker. A eh? zero points. It, that's a mystery to me. He had 10 minutes, zero points. He just, I think he has one, two points the series or something like it's that. It's the injuries, it, man. He's just not the same guy he was before. And it's sad to see someone so young. Uh, but he was playing well in the season. That's the thing. We started to see the progress come back. He got 20 points a couple games. Like, you know, he was almost back. Well, it was the hype coming in. You know, he was, you know, people were kind of talking about him as a number one pick. Obviously, Wiggins went first. But, you know, Jabari Parker in high school was on the front pages of SI. You know, this yeah. guy was a highly touted prospect coming in, and just seeing how far he's fallen, is it, it's, it's tough to see. You know, I, I love Jabari Parker, but again, he's kind of like that Carmelo Anthony throwback type of player. No, for sure. And again, like to Greg's earlier point, this is, the, I think, the definite series where you see coaching as the, one of the biggest factors. Mm-hmm. Because Brad Stevens is just completely out-coaching a team. He's almost letting Middleton and Greek Freak do everything. I think they, they shot 65%, I'm pretty sure, last night from the floor and still lost. The Bucks did. Joe like, he's, how, like he's come up with a way to allow them to score, but not enough. They're they're not a three point shooting team really, other than Middleton, hmm. the Bucks. So you know he just knows that his team's going to outplay them down the stretch, especially defensively. Well, speaking of Chris Middleton, that end of Game One was absolutely insane. that shot that was, was absolutely that awesome. was unbelievable. That, that last minute of basketball of Game One, I, I have to admit, I was playing Fortnite. I had to put it down. <laughs> I think I was playing with you, Brandon. I was. Uh, I, I had to watch that last minute. I was babysitting my uh, my three and a half year old uh, sister, and uh, she took a nap at the perfect time. And I was watching the game, but like I had to hold in or harness my emotions. Like what was <laughs> happening? Didn't want to wake her up. But no, that was arguably the most entertaining like minute of basketball I've ever seen in my entire life. So far, this playoffs, at least. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, going down to uh, Miami and the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, obviously, you're seeing Ben Simmons evolve into a top 15, maybe a top 10 player in this uh, in this series. We're also seeing uh, Hassan Whiteside relegated.
relegated to the bench. Obviously, the, based on the matchup, he can't really play, especially if Joel Embiid out. Uh, what do you guys think of the series so far? I don't understand the Hassan Whiteside not playing thing. I mean, he, this guy is, is good. Mm-hmm. Like, he is a good player. He's athletic. It's just he's tough massive. Because, when they, because they put Ersan Ilyasova at center, and they kind of had that small ball lineup, and Whiteside can't guard the perimeter. He, But again, I think he can't. He's kind of like Gobert, and he's just so athletic to me. I don't. He's, he's not as quick as Gobert. He's not quick to the perimeter. He's more of like a flat-footed, low-post brute. Really? I, I, we'll I, I understand <laughs> going small to match up when you have a lead because, okay, we don't want to give up threes. On the other hand, like, and that's why, you know, you see the Raptors, they really give JV his touches early. Like, one thing I like about when I see Boston play, when they get switches, when teams switch defensively, they punish you. They post it up, they give it to Horford, and they put you inside, and they take, they go mouse in the house, and they put that little guy to work. I don't see that type of identification sometimes from Miami. They, they really go small. Right and like they they don't use Whiteside's size to their advantage on mm-hmm. the other end, right? Because Lily Silva should and and Whiteside though isn't also giving the effort. Like one thing you know you see with JV, he knows it's limited time, so he's crashing the offensive boards, right? Like that's part of using your size is that you can get rebounds, right? And you create your 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 points that way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Whiteside, yeah, well, he's just also like his. Like, I don't think he put in max energy, and because of that, he's not as effective, right? So Spolter's just benching him, and he's going small. But, again, I, I understand going small when you have a lead because you don't want to give up the threes. But I don't, too many teams, like I was watching Minnesota play, call, call, and we're going to get to this, but Towns gets like five shots in the game, mm-hmm. right? I'm watching Jeff T try to take on a big man on the perimeter instead of putting it into Towns and punishing and a point guard who's guarding the, him. Well, that's what happened in this series with Dwayne Wade. Like Dwayne Wade came at a vintage performance at 28 points, and that's exactly yeah. that's exactly the reason why is because they they went small, they they ended up slashing a lot, which is what they do, and then they just really grind you down on defense. And I think that's the reason why we've seen sort of the inconsistency in these two games alone. And it's going to be like that all series. I think it's going to go back and forth and flip flop, but it, it's going to I think it's going to go seven games. Yeah, you know, but you know what? And this is to watch that. Like, and Charles Broccoli made a good point. Everyone's been feeling the Sixers, you said. But what happens when things go wrong? How do these young guys respond? And you saw, you know, things went wrong, and they weren't quite able to get themselves out of a hole. And that's what happens with young teams, right? They go hot, they get cold. They also re- were relying way too much on Ilyasova and Bellinelli. You're talking about living and dying by the three. You saw that with the 76ers. You know, first game, Bellinelli and Reddick went off in the three-point line. Second game, they had a dismal performance in the three-point line. Yeah, that's can't be that dependent on, you know, the outside shot. And, yo, Ben Simmons, like, he, he, he actually doesn't shoot the basket. I've never seen anything like this. Mm-hmm. He actually doesn't shoot. He's like Rondo. <laughs> Yo, triple-double, baby. Playoff Rondo, baby. All right, guys, we'll be back in a second. Here's some more Makimoto. We'll discuss the Western Conference playoffs. Be back in a moment. We are back. 
have breaking down the Western Conference. The first matchup we'll discuss is Golden State Warriors, San Antonio Spurs. Obviously, the Golden State Warriors are up to nothing with Kawhi Leonard out with the uh, what, what, what's the injury again? Oh, I keep forgetting it. Quadriceps. It's quad, quad, quad injury. Yeah. Uh, apparently, he's in New York and hasn't been texting or communicating to San Antonio Spurs. Nonetheless, the Golden State Warriors look like uh, it might be a, an easy road to the finals. What do you guys uh, think of this matchup so far? I think the Spurs might actually get one in San Antonio. I think they might get one. How do they do that? How do they do that? Well, actually, I was so I watched the <laughs> I said I watched the whole game uh, last time they played because mm-hmm. I really wanted to see what on earth the Spurs can do with such a talent golf, right. right? And the first half they outplayed Golden State through sheer like old school bully ball. Yeah. Okay. the The problem is they just don't have enough. Like, and Rudy Gay played really good, too. Let me just put that out there, okay? I like seeing a rejuvenated Rudy Gay, okay? But they just don't have enough talent. They, you know what I mean? Clay Thompson, just catch and shoot. Especially I see, on the offensive side of the ball. You no, know, LaMarcus seeing, Aldridge is playing like a monster. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and it is. Like, they are punishing them for being for going small and all that stuff. But they're just, like, with their length, they're, like, triple-teaming him in the post. Like, there's not there's no threat there. Yeah, when your situation when Paul Gasol is like your fourth best guy, you know, best option on offense, it doesn't really, you know, spell. And also, like Danny Green needs to step up. Zero points in game two, like that is. He a- doesn't create his own offense though, right? Like he needs he needs someone else to like create the offense or the system too. He doesn't create his own mm-hmm. shot. Very you can well. really see why the Spurs were looking for a really high end point guard this off season. Like that's kind of that's really what's. I mean, obviously Kawhi's not in the lineup right now. Yeah, to- but, Tony Parker's done. But if they had a exactly, if they had, I mean, manage nobody looks great. You don't think Dejounte Murray's the? Uh... Well, I mean, I'm just saying, like a like a start to go far in the playoffs, especially in the West. Right. You're going to need someone like I mean, like a Chris Paul or Kyle Lowry. Mm-hmm. Like, those are players that they were rumored, you know, around, yeah. around wanting to get, I guess. And Dejounte Murray's just not even close to that level. Well, Spurs at this have point. the opportunity this year. I think they still have their first round pick, and they're probably going to be picking around the 17, 18 range. They might be able to find that sort of well, hidden plus, gem. They plus might be able to trade Kawhi and get a get a get a nice high draft. Well, let's get into that for a second. Like uh, hypothetically speaking, if the San Antonio Spurs were to trade Kawhi Leonard, what sort of package do you envision coming back to Spurs, and what team do you think is the best suitor? I don't know if they go with the draft picks. I think considering they have an older veteran team, mm-hmm. and you have Aldridge, that's what makes it tough because Aldridge has a couple more years where he'll be able to perform at, at a high level. You would, you know, the rest of the team is built to win now. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, I see them going for for guys that they can immediately make a uh, return on and, and keep them competitive. Like the Lakers are obviously the number one team when it comes to possible you know trade the, partners. The, the Clippers apparently are rumored to be I, wanting I like, that. I like Brendan Ingram on the San Antonio Spurs. I think his kind of approach, you know, his methodical sort of like small town mentality when it comes to basketball sort of fits well with the San Antonio Spurs organization. You know, the small market team. Um, what do you think, Gavin? Uh, it's going to be have to be a lot. Like he's if you look at his contract. Next year he makes twenty million, and then the next year he's going to have. A, well, Lakers can package the Dane contract. They can throw in maybe Kuzma and um, Ingram as well, and maybe a couple first. I don't know. I don't. I don't. For me, it's weird because I don't see the Lakers having enough. Uh, if anything, it'd have to maybe like the 76ers would be able to package mm-hmm. some, some big. Some you know some. I don't Even know. The Celtics. Nah, the Celtics you got it. Uh, who are they going well, to give up? Either Embiid or Simmons. Celtics no, no, have no, but again, they have first, a lot of, first pet round pick next year as well. Um, they do have a ton of trade ships as well, so th- they could yeah. be another. Uh, well, picks. Partner, you right? talk about pick. Like that's what the 76ers have. They have. It depends picks, if they're they going for if, if they're they going have... for the rebuild, then that becomes attractive, right? But if you want an immediate return for, to pair people with with Aldridge, then you need like you know I, the, the Clippers would be interesting because they got 
a bunch of guys like Gallinari. They got uh, Beverly. And they had the contract. They got and a guy Tobias like, Harris. Well, Tobias Harris, I think, would be the contract to go, you know, over yeah. to San Antonio to sort of facilitate but the. If trade, they go right? with the draft picks, it would be like a rebuild thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I guess they wouldn't want to. I guess is what you're implying they wouldn't want to go through that sort of thing because I think it's kind of you're kind of almost de facto you have to if you trade away Kawhi Leonard. I mean, I know they've had success this year, but they're not going to go far in the playoffs, especially if they get swept. They're going to realize that they can't have this strategy going forward. They might as well go through a full rebuild, right? But it, and I'll just before we, what the fuck is up with Leonard? Like to not even show up to support your team because mm-hmm. you, you're like what the like what ha- did something must have really happened that offended him, right? Like something must have really happened behind closed doors. Maybe they tried to just make him play, and he like he's like, no, I'm not a commodity or whatever, and you can't make me do it. But really, I think. There's no difference between being injured and being hurt. If he's hurt and you're in the playoffs and you're getting paid $20 million, mm-hmm. you play. At the very least, you support your teammates by showing up and being an emotional support and not helping the, the coaches. And yeah, not like John Wall style, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like posting fucking Instagram pictures of My yourself. theory, he's a Trump supporter. Pop's comments are just pissing him off. <laughs> <laughs> well, even like Pop's sort of like cryptic you know, sort of message to the media, you know, Kawhi and his group, you know, definitely doesn't... Hey, can I throw out a wild theory? Because I like throwing out wild theories. Go for it, buddy. What if... Hot, it's actually called a hot take, so not a wild theory, but give me your hot take. So, you know, uh, <laughs> who was it uh, that... One of the one of the guys on the jump, the bigger gentleman... Jason Whitworth? Windhorst. Brian Windhorst? Yeah, yeah, Cleveland Cavaliers. Who really needs to get some sun. He looks awful he looks overworked oh, come on um no seriously he's Jesus. unhealthy okay um oh, i like him he's good but continue so he was saying that lebron's fate may be tied to leonard's in some way what if there has been communication between clutch sports and leonard's uncle who was his agent there's been some collusion can you imagine if lebron and leonard end up on the same team next year somehow because what Windhorse was suggesting is that maybe they're not on the same team, but LeBron is going to wait to see what happens with him. But if Leonard can force his way on to the Clippers through a trade, then you can see LeBron go there. Mm-hmm. Or maybe tell the Lakers, and then you see LeBron go there. The domino effect. Just a, You're such a conspiracy theorist. Just a way, yes, I, you know, I, I do I do enjoy my conspiracy theories. I think it's also the fact that, you know, like Kawhi wants a little bit more sort of international exposure as a superstar. I think he turned down that $20 million Jordan contract offer. You know, like he wants to be, I think he wants his own sneaker. You know, he wants to be in the spotlight. He wants to be within the same sort of discussion. I've never as, heard uh, him speak. The West yeah, West then why isn't he, you know what I mean? Like all this would be. It's the strangest thing, right? Like, because mm-hmm. it seems out of his character. What's out of the character? Like, growing up in Southern California, you know, like if he was mm-hmm. from like Boise, Idaho, or something, I'd maybe be like, okay. Well, Is that wait? Where did he grow up? What's his Southern California? Where exactly? Around That's San Diego. A big area. No, but like you know, like I he don't seems know the like a humble. City. Do you want no, me to but is it South Central LA? Let's, let's, or? Approximately, let's say two hundred miles from the West Coast on San Diego. I don't well, know. You like know, somewhere the, the South, Marino Southern Valley, California. California. Marino Valley, California. Okay, is that like a like a like it's located a, in the Riverside County of California, Riverside County, which is part of the San Bernardino Riverside Metropolitan Area. I'm getting well, all this off the top of my head. This is all from the top of my. This is from memory. He's spinning it from the top of his head. All right, guys, going down to the second matchup: the OKC Thunder and the Utah Jazz. 
currently one and one. Uh, Graffin, you were kind of talking about this before the podcast, you know, the Oklahoma City Thunder being another team that live and die by the three-pointer, that sort of Jekyll and Hyde sort of concept where if they hit their threes, they look unstoppable. Wait, um, what's the, what's will the, they be able to do that again? Wait, what, what's Come the series three? at? It's at it's one nothing or yeah. one nothing. Oh, sorry, one, nothing, one nothing. Sorry, sorry. yeah. My my, my I was like, did I miss a Thunder one game? One nothing. Right. One nothing. <laughs> right. Sorry, but no, I, I agree. I, I think so. Like honestly, they uh, they they have that. No, I, did they, you see Paul George? Sorry, Paul George in game in, one. Yeah, then he got game. injured though a little bit. But I don't know. I think that that's OKC. They're gonna be. They're so reliant on the three. They they hit it. They do well. We've seen it all season long. We're going to see inconsistency, man. We're going to one of these Paul games George, or four of these games. They're not going to do it. But I don't think he looked win. like he looked when he's on. That guy is like he's one of the best players in the yeah top five like, when he's on. Like at playoff P is a real thing, man. Like and Melo stepped up. To well, me, OKC's okay, clearly the better team. No. I think they're going to. I think they're going to steamroll them. See that after one, I just think you saw you the say best. That? Game. How can you say OKC is a better team? Just out of curiosity, because they have way more talent. Okay, that's irrelevant. Did the, does the talent work as in a that team? game? It sure as hell looked like it. Yeah, it looked ba- like based on the regular season, based on the team, the core. Yeah, team, but Paul play- George, Kamal yeah. Anthony, Russell Westbrook. Would you say reflecting back on the now? But playoffs are did, different. Did, did this work this season? It depends Was on it a success. It it depends on what the end product is here. I think if they get into if if they can challenge either the Warriors or the Rockets, yeah, but you're yes. saying the end product, the, the concept of this, us saying that the Utah Jazz and the Oklahoma City Thunder were playing in the playoffs, everyone around this table would say the Thunder would blow them out. The fact that Utah Jazz and they did in the first game, they blew them out. I don't know, man. I got the, no, they blew them out. I got the Jazz 100 percent in this. You think they're gonna win? Yeah, yeah. You, okay, you know. Jazz, okay, okay. And we underestimate the fact that all of the struggles aside, and, and it was always gonna take a long time for those guys to gel okay all those those struggles aside they still got a a, a top four seed in a loaded western conference okay and they would stay with withstood a, an injury to a guy who although we like to joke about him actually was key for their defense right and in the playoffs the you know they can just leave those guys on the whole time mm-hmm. right like you know what i mean so paul george and westbrook are always going to be on the court and the suit you know superstars do matter more in the playoffs because in basketball one guy could take over a game and that's what like like the there's no one on the on the jazz yeah, but I'm talk- that I'm can not do talking that about the talent i'm talking about the intangibles of having Mitchell. a really good smart coach like Mitchell's too young and unproven joe ingles who's shooting 45 percent from the three this season donovan mitchell who's emerging essentially as like a like first year dwayne wade you know uh, none of that the, helps the, them of their bench as well. None I'm of that talking, helps them when Russell Westbrook yeah, okay, is running on the fast break. That's great. On paper, they make sense. Russell Westbrook pushing Steven Adams aside no. to fight for that rebound. I'm saying as a team, as a core unit, the Utah Jazz are a better team. And I would pick them in the playoff matchup. Well, I see well, so, so well, right now, it's one nothing for the Thunder. Right. And, the make, Thunder yo, make and the Thunder dominated them in game one. Why don't and, you guys bet about And Rudy Gobert looked lifeless to Steven Adams. Them, hey, Rudy <laughs> Gobert looked pretty... Mortal against Big Steven Adams. Like, he doesn't have the presence, right? The Thunder are matched up very well, and I, I think they're going to absolutely steamroll them. As game one show, I think that's going to be the series, man. For me, the, Thunder think, are, the Thunder are scary. I think the home team is going to... I do think OKC will probably win in seven, and I think the home team is going to win goes seven? every single time. I think, I think the home team will win every time. When it goes to Utah, it's going to be a completely different story. Trust me. Just like yeah. just like OKC is a great crowd, Utah's is insane too. So yeah, I, but I the crowd think- doesn't win the game. Like the players win the game, and one team just has. Look, the two best players in the series are on the same team. If we look through the percentages of all the teams that have won so far, a lot of the home teams are winning. Like yeah, home- because usually the home teams though are the better teams, right? Like to start the playoffs, right? Close. So they're no, like they get home court advantage. Now, I'm not. 
I think the Jazz are a good team. But in the playoffs, your individual stars start to matter a bit more. And the the Jazz are a little more unproven, right? Mitchell is just not quite there yet. Again, the best two players in the mm-hmm. series are on the same team. It's hard to beat a team when that's the case, right? I yeah. think it's also a discussion as Russell Westbrook really moved the needle when it comes to becoming an NBA championship caliber team. You know, regular season, fine, you can average a triple-double, but does he actually he's, make the players around him better? He's been to the finals. Oh, right? On the back of Kevin Durant. No, I'm not Harden. on the back. No, no, he had a good, no, I mean, we're going to see this year. I think that's the test. Unless you ask about, one to me, Brandon, when you ask the question, you know, was it a success or whatever, and not that the Jazz are an amazing story because they are, and they're well-coached. Well I like their coach a lot, too, and I like their system, but, like, there, it's always going to be what do they do in the playoffs? That mm-hmm. that is the test. And Melo M- Melo showed up. Melo showed up. Yeah, we'll see you next game. I and love moving down I love to uh, Mello the third game again. of the Western Conference: uh, the Houston Rockets and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Currently, the Houston Rockets are up one nothing. Uh, guys, what are your takes from this matchup? We saw a pretty uh, interesting performance from Derrick Rose: twenty five minutes, sixteen points, four assists, two rebounds. Um, what's going on with the Minnesota Timberwolves? You know, Carlton Towns eight points. What you said, five shots or something like that. Yeah, I don't understand. I mean, it was a close game, actually. Like, they ended up only winning by three points. and It was. I, I do still think Houston's going to sweep them. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns was kind of a ghost that game, I think. Um, Capella yeah. had, like, 16 points in the first half. Yeah. It's, it's weird because, for me, like, Minnesota seems like that like an old-school team right now. They don't shoot a lot of threes. Like, they're still stuck in that old but, age, whereas but Houston is the exact opposite. How could you be old-school when you're not even giving your big man the touches? Well, right? he, stands like, lot, he stands in the corner a lot, right? Like waiting for a three, as opposed to run. They don't run enough pick and rolls to Carl Anthony Towns. That's one of their biggest problems. But it, it's mind-boggling to me. Like I'm watching them, and it's like they're getting the switch with a point guard gar- guarding Towns, okay? Mm-hmm. And then Teague gets Capella, and they're going for Teague attacking the basket on Capella instead of posting up. The, the the big man who has a point guard on him. The, and I'm, I'm watching this. I'm like, if I'm seeing this, how is Tom Thibodeau? Like, does he know something that I don't? Like, why is Carl Anthony Towns standing in the corner? Shouldn't he be near the basket? I've been thinking that a lot this series when I when I watched that first game. I was like, it just, is, is Thibodeau a genius or is he an idiot? Because right now, I mean, in the end of the game, they only lost by three. So obviously it was Something's a close working. game. It's working. But... At the same time, they just seem to be a team that has so much more potential than what they put on the floor. And Jimmy Wiggins Butler, looks... yeah, well, Wiggins had a good first game, I, I thought. It, J- Jimmy Butler sort of has to be their number one guy, though. He has to take over, and, and if he does, they have a chance. But and Houston's good. Like they, Houston didn't have the greatest game, and if they do, they're going to come out so well. James that, Harden, sorry, that Jimmy like Butler like last second shot in game one was such a fucking joke. Like it, they were down by three and he heaved up like a like a one eighty two point shot like a long two. Like it didn't make absolutely any sense to me. So maybe Tom Thibodeau might be a shit coach. Who knows? Well, he's he's <laughs> well like like look at this roster. Like look at what he did with his team. He was fighting tooth and nails for the Denver Nuggets for the eighth seed in the Western Con- or Western Conference. You got a team with Jimmy Butler and two former number one picks and Carlton Towns and Andrew Wiggins. You also have Jeff Teague. You know. You have a really deep bench. And Derrick Rose. Well. Like it's not deep bench, but you have a couple guys off in Derrick Rose. Three number one picks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why Derrick Rose is getting 24 minutes. And I understand. I understand why he's on the team. Exactly. I understand he got 16 points, and like, but he just looks lost out there. He's bad defensively. Defensively, he, he's a liability. Exactly. I, I don't know. The team, to me, if there's going to be a coaching change this year, Tom Thibodeau is probably he's the be president the of basketball operations. Well, can he just fire himself for the betterment no, of the team? Like the owner, like the owner would have to. 
right? Like he apparently like he's got the keys. Like I watched the owner, he's this old guy, sits at the front court with his wife. They just love Tom Thibodeau's like old school John Voiden. Yeah. <laughs> in varsity blues <laughs> attitude. I hope this series goes only four games and mm-hmm. Houston just sweeps them, to be honest with you. They have the talent to get a win against Houston, I think. I want to see Wiggins come out and play well. Chris, but other than Chris that, Paul looked a little jittery. He looked a little out of sorts. Like they, they can't. Hey, they'll lose to a team like the Thunder if Chris Paul doesn't play like Chris Paul. You I think know they're what I mean? saving it though. I don't like. I don't I know. know, man. But you're saving it by turning the ball over. I know. I know. I, he didn't have a great game. 14 points. That's it. Three assists, I think. So or four assists. And that's the mark. Without the assist, that's what really matters. All right, rolling down to the last matchup in the Western Conference, we got the Portland Trailblazers and the New Orleans Pelicans. Ha! Currently, Portland Trailblazers are down two nothing in the series, and we've seen the return of playoff Rojan Rondo, Christian favorite player in the NBA. Uh, Christian, what's your uh, impression of Rondo's performance so far in the playoffs? How many assists? Se- seven, ha- How many? 17 uh, assists awful? in the first game? <laughs> Triple-double the second awful. game. I think, I, you know, obviously, you know, Anthony Davis is a, is a beast, you know, a transcendent superstar, once-in-generation type talent, but mm-hmm. Drew Holiday has really... It's all Drew them. Holiday. Drew yeah. Holiday is the reason they're winning, not like last, Rajon Rondo. Like, last, his performance in game they three. credit Rondo. Yeah. No, I credit Drew Holiday. <laughs> no, but, but what Rondo's really good at is getting no. to the heart of defense. <laughs> no, if you watch him, he's Drew <laughs> He's very good at at getting to the heart of a defense, mm-hmm. and then right. So so just being in a position to set up his big man, or being in a position to set up shooters. Like he doesn't drive to to finish; he drives to pass. Mm-hmm. He's really good at that, and he's also really he's a smart player. And he turned up his defense. He's still young enough that he can still play defense. I think it provides that team with good veteran leadership. It's because mm-hmm. teams don't know how to guard him. That's the reason why. Oh my god! <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> look at look at when LeBron guarded him back in the day. Like you you give him the shot. You he's percentage wise the worst shooter. Like. Ever, he, you talk about Ben Simmons. He is the original Ben Simmons, basically. And you know, he's just his defense. I'll give him that. He ended up playing 39 minutes, so he's he's getting a lot of time out there, and he's putting in a lot of key. But uh, to, to say that Drew Holiday or Anthony Davis are way more important for this team, we never said it. that. We're just saying Drew Rojo Rondo has played some stellar basketball so far in the playoffs. Yeah, provides a nice steady hand. No. <laughs> Yo, ha- did he like run over your dog or something, man? Like you just hate him? No, I mean he's he's get he always gets so much more credit than deserved. Fair always. enough. He's His also, entire career. He's also like a bit of a brat emotionally. Apparently, like he's the worst. He's the reason why the Bulls, him and Wade, or whatever happened there, that ended up getting blown up. He was the first one to speak on it and stuff. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah. just seems like a nuisance. Like, have you ever heard him? Talk? He's the one who started the whole Ray Allen thing. Like, yeah, Ray Allen's out of the group. He, he, just, he got kicked he out of Dallas like for like beefing girl. with. That was actually what drove down the Mavericks. Eh, is when they traded they traded like Jay Crowder and some other pieces to get Rondo at the halfway mark to see if they could become relevant. And, well and it didn't, and, and yeah, and like he just like refused to run certain plays for Carlisle, and Carlisle just okay, and, and they let him go, and that's when the rebuilding started in so Dallas. What, what, what's what's going on with Portland's backcourt? You know, like obviously we're talking about the emergence of well, playoff Rondo and Drew Holiday turning a corner, but McCollum and Lillard clearly are not playing up to their max potential, and they're you know they're they're getting smoked these first two games. Uh, what did the team need to do to get McCollum Lillard sort of back into game shape? Let's put it. Well, I think this is the emergence of, of sort of 
Drew Holiday's two-way sort of play. Like he is a really he's playing his natural position. The two, you know, he's not a yeah. typical one. He is a very, very good defender, and he can switch because they do a lot of like plays to get either McCollum or mm-hmm. Damian Lillard the the three. He usually mm-hmm. comes mm-hmm. off the back switch and guards whoever one of them comes off for that last the the comeback three. So and he's a good athlete, right? So he can so contest. Good. Absolutely. I mean, Lillard when he was guarding him last night, he went zero for eight. So he he's a nuisance there, <laughs> and I think if anything, they're gonna have to get Nurkic and sort of involved a little bit more. Um, he, he's been one of the players that that Portland's had. You know, he's their X factor in my in my eye. Like he did so well down the stretch for them. Whenever he plays well, they but seem to play. He's well. out of sorts one. against Davis, right? Like he has, you know. And, and then they tried to get him to guard Miritich, and and Miritich was just kind of like pump faking and 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 penetrating. I'll eat my words right now. Like I was a absolutely massive Miritich hater to start the season, but he's played nice against Anthony Davis, yeah. and you know, it brings like a, with him. You mean? Well, beside him, right? Like in the front court. Yeah, yeah. Like it's a nice compliment. Um, Well, I think it begs a question. Like, you know, you're talking about John Wall not being in the Wizards lineup and maybe the Wizards are better off without John Wall. Do you think Boogie Cousins would hinder the team's performance by having two big... No. I I think that they were... I think that they were good at turn that... They were already turning that corner, Mm -hmm. right? But I'll tell you, uh, to your point, without Boogie, they're able to play, right, with AD at the center position... They're able to play a style of basketball, right? Where where they're getting out, they're running and they're gunning, and the ball is 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 moving and they're shooting more threes. And with with Boogie, you have to slow it down a bit to allow him to get up and down the court. That being said, like I again, the game he got injured, they were punishing Houston, mm-hmm. and like I think they were and they were at six at that point, and they ended up I, they ended up in sixth anyways. Um, I think they would if the, if Boogie was there, I think they would be even more dangerous. Like, I, I, mind you, the style change, it is a bit of addition by subtraction, but I think still would be a net positive with Boogie. They're a scary team. Like, now that you look at them, if they go, if they can beat Portland, they, oh, yeah. they take another game, even if they go to the next round against, I don't know, Houston or Golden State or whoever it may be. To like a playoff series win six. would be a huge victory this season. Absolutely. It, it's one of those things that it, oh, wow, that's very unfortunate. Sorry, I just got breaking news to Greg Popovich's wife uh, passed away. So that just popped up on the feed. So that's what really. Uh, what what was the cause of it? I, I, I it just came up on like a quick little feed I have for, she... for, for Bleacher Report. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll look into them more later. I guess. Sorry about that. Our um, condolences to the Popovich family. Obviously, absolutely. Um, Man, I love Greg Popovich. I, I'm, I'm so. I want. I wonder if this has been an ongoing thing or if this was sudden. I, you know, you don't want to speculate. I know that's like what that. I'm. So I'm wondering tough, now. Like, was she ill? Well, getting back to uh, the topic at hand, um, I, I, I just I, I feel like Damian Lillard is in that sort of upper echelon of superstar, and he's the kind of guy that can take over a game. I expect a big Game 3 performance from both Damian Lillard and hopefully CJ McCollum. I really like what I'm seeing in a Zach Collins, though, like especially in the latter half of the season. He's really emerged as that sort of prototypical 3 and D center. Um, you know, Nurchik has really, really struggled, especially in this matchup. Um Nurchik's been like they can't even have a guy on the court realistically. He's you know they switch him off to Mirtich and Nurchik can't guard the perimeter whatsoever because their That's best the problem, bet to yeah. guard Anthony Davis is Al Farik Aminu who's looked pretty solid guarding him in comparison to the other guys out there, especially Nurchik. But it's just such a difficult matchup with both Mirtich and Davis on the court at the same time. They just need. CJ and Lillard to hit their shots. Mm-hmm. That's honestly, that's all they need. And well, I think it's a reflection of Rojan Rondo's defense. You know, you're seeing what CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard Jesus are able Christ. to manage. <laughs> <laughs> Those yeah. long, lanky arms. Man. Yeah, yeah, it's all Rondo. He's he's it's he's the Rondo, he's the team man. right now. 
All right, guys, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back in the fourth quarter for Greg's Gripe, brought to you by Diamond Pizza. We have no affiliation with Diamond Pizza. I'll be back in one second. Here's some uh, man. Folks, we are back with Canada's very favorite segment, Greg's Gripe, sponsored by Diamond Pizza. We have no affiliation with Diamond Pizza whatsoever. But Greg, what is your gripe this week? Tell the nation what is up. That there is still a discussion being had amongst members of the American media, mostly, about the coach of the year so-called debate this so-called debate that's going on right now this discussion there is no discussion so there's big there's three names i I guess uh, that are in the hat right now you got quinn snyder on utah uh you got obviously brad stevens on the celtics and the consensus winner in our opinion that should be the winner dwayne casey there's two names the first name is dwayne the second name is casey okay this is a man right (laughs) that has been like talk about not Stephen a smith boy yo this is a man that truly Right has started from the bottom in terms of coaching. This this is a guy who had coached in Japan. Right, this is a guy who's paid his dues. Mm-hmm. A guy who has come and reinvented the offense. Right, and the, for for names to be thrown around like Snyder and Brown and Pretty Boy Brad Stevens, who I really hate because I can't find a reason to hate him. Okay, it's disrespectful. Mm-hmm. This is Dwayne Casey's year, and the fact that. The sports writers are the ones that are voting on this. Actually, really scares me because amongst the coaches, they're always bigging up Casey because you know, as a as a coach myself, okay, and I'm you know I'm learning, okay, I'm still a pup in coaching years, but you you come to respect right what a coach does more. You can evaluate it differently. When I'm seeing these sports writers who don't even watch Raptors games getting to evaluate this, I'm I'm a bit concerned. There is no debate. It is Dwayne Casey. Locked? 100%. It's got to be. Question about it. I am going to... I, what about hey. Brad Stevens taking this ragtag group of guys and bringing them to well, the second season? High draft PC picks, conference. veteran players. No. No? Quinn Snyder's no not way, discussion man. either? No? And just FYI, some of the people on there that get a vote, because I'm looking at the list now from last year, are people like Zach Lowe, um, people like Brian Windhorst, who you mentioned before. Bill Simmons. Um, Bill Simmons, Reggie Miller actually gets a vote. Um, th- there's Kevin a whole, O'Connor. There's about, I'd say, 50, Jonathan maybe 50 or 60 people on here. David Aldridge is on there. Chris Webber gets a vote. Uh, Doug Smith from they Toronto can all Stars. They Doug can Smith all expect angry letters if Dwayne Casey doesn't get his respect. And on, on the note about coaching, so if I could just continue this for a sec. Something else that is just grinding my gears. Jerry Stackhouse is being interviewed for the New York Knicks job. Does he not know that he is to secede Dwayne when his time is done, when Dwayne then gets a kick up to the upper management? This is the order of things. Jerry Stackhouse is the next in line. What is he doing wanting to ruin his career what, by taking a, a stab? Yeah, right? By taking a stab at this at this enigma conundrum mess that is the New York Knicks and want to work under a guy with a bluegrass band that he cares about more than his franchise. <laughs> is he nuts? Like that that is a career killer. The only guy with the balls to take that is Mark Jackson. I can see him going to Orlando. Jeff Weltman. He used to be part of the Raptors system. He can just take him like he took him before. 
don't go, don't go, don't stat. go, Jerry, don't, don't go, go stat. Where's your love for Mark Jackson stem from? Like, in your opinion, Mama, there goes coach. that man. <laughs> no, you know what? He's a, look. I think point guards make good coaches. That's I think. Like, that's just. A, I think he no, because you're a floor general. I think he. I so think. Rajon I also think he got a raw deal in. Uh, I think he got a raw deal in in Golden State. They won the championship did, the next year, though. He did everything wrong at Golden State. What do you mean? From he led them to a point. plus 50. He took no, no, that no, team internally. from a losing record to I'm a winning talking, record. I'm talking I internally. heard he got fired because of his preaching. Now, there's a lot of things he did. He tried to basically put the players against the upper management. There are a re- Look it up. There's tons of things on record Facts of what yeah. he did to put that to put that whole organization basically upside down. Yeah, it says the Silicon Valley elites. That's what they say. I don't know. Me? Like no, <laughs> no. Like I'm saying they they said that. I wonder what he I'm says not from happened. Silicon Valley. No, like these records. Who makes these records? Like it's on record that this happened and that happened. Well, if you ask Mark Jackson what happened, maybe it's different. Than I what. could walk into that fucking position and still lead the team to the playoffs. You can teach okay? Steph Curry how to play defense. I don't have to do shit to say play basketball. There you go. He Mark didn't Jackson teach clearly Steph just Curry just that. No, but. You win 50 plus games, and they got knocked out by the Clippers, who were very good that year, but yeah. they had all their guys. Luke that Walden team... also had success as a coach with them. So, you know, who? Luke Walton. Also the Warriors. Had... Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, gra- it doesn't really mean much uh, to, no, to no, coach no, no, no. the Warriors. He took team. over the they team. They coached their own team. The players coached Now they do, not five off. years ago. They'd be better off with the entire team coaching as opposed to the, the Kevin Durant and a mature Splash Brothers is different than coaching those guys when the team wasn't good and making the team good. And then when you win 50 plus games getting fired because you're a preacher or whatever, just because the management actually doesn't like you. Yeah, Jesus has no fucking place on the basketball court either. <laughs> We'll put it this way: If we have no idea why nice. he got fired, then we can't assume that it was for good reasons, right? We can't assume, we can't take a side for for just assumption. All I which know is what is, you're doing. All right? I know is Mark Jackson knows basketball, and he was a New York Knicks player, and I think he could deal with the limelight of that position. I think a young coach taking that job on it could be a career killer. Mark Jackson's career. There's you know, a reason why Mark Jackson is not getting a lot of calls right now. It's because of the history with that. With the whole thing that's going on, he's not get. He's getting. I think. I think it was the Knicks actually who said that he's off their list already. Really? Yeah. So, so who's who? Who? They're, so they're looking s- at Fizdale, Stackhouse. Who else? I, I have no uh, idea. The, the uh, relics of the past: Stan Van Gundy, previous coach. No, of the Knicks. no, no, no. no. They they're are, not looking they at Jeff Van Gundy. Oh, no, I think him as well. They said yeah. no. Not even they're not, not looking at Van Mike Gundy. Mike Woodson, I heard, was in the. Uh, There's another guy the that got a raw deal though. Yeah, Mike Woodson's the only guy within the last like decade to lead the Knicks to the playoffs. And then he gets fired. Yeah. Another fifty win coach, fifty plus win coach gets fired. All right, Mike Woodson for president. All right, guys, we'll be uh, back. Actually, Saturday we're gonna do two podcasts this week, um, talking about the Raptors game three performance on Friday. Thank you very much for tuning in. Catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify. Blah 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 blah. These are words coming out of my mouth. One point two seconds to go.